This is the Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio with Scott Soshnick and Michael Barr. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Each week, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. We talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. Today, we spend the hour with the owner of the Los Angeles Lakers, Jeannie Buss. And of course, we address the issue of the Lakers possibly drafting Lonzo Ball, son of controversial LeVar Ball. He has a very passionate father who uh, I have, in my 30-plus years of experience, I have met many parents and siblings and spouses of, you know, great athletes. And I think having a strong family advocate is important for the success of a player. We'll have more with our conversation with Lakers owner Jeannie Buss. But first, Michael, let's get to the top business of sports stories of the week. Scott, one of the big surprise teams in baseball this year is the Yankees, led by rookie Aaron Judge. Deep to left. More than halfway up the bleachers and left, a monster blast by Aaron Judge. The home run call courtesy of the Yes Network and looks like someone is close to buying a piece of the Bronx Bombers. Scott, you broke the news for Bloomberg. Fill us in. Yeah, a lot of people trying to buy pieces of sports teams these days. The Miami Marlins, of course, tied Tag Romney making a bid, but keeping with the Tag Romney, of course, he's the founder of Solomere Capital. Two of his partners there are close to closing on a 1% stake of the Yankees. Now, why just 1%? A lot of people do this. You know that. There are these limited partners in sports teams, and there are many reasons. One, why sell 1%? A lot of times it could be estate planning, so you take a little money off the table. The valuation's gotten so high on these things. The Yankees are the most valuable franchise in baseball. If they were really on the market, the whole shebang could top $4 billion. So there's a little discount for limited partnerships. So let's say 25 to 30, 35 million dollars for 1% stake. Do I buy it because I want to do some things with my core business that others can't do? Let's say you have a business transaction and you're looking to close the deal. Pretty cool to be able to take somebody into the Yankee Stadium clubhouse, introduce them to Aaron Judge, and then talk business after that. That's one reason people do this. Another story we're following involves soccer legend David Beckham. Beckham could raise the roof here with a goal. I don't believe it. David Beckham scores the goal to take England all the way to the World Cup Finals. Give that man a knighthood. (laughs) Yes, that was David Beckham's classic goal against Greece in 2001. Scott, we knew what a success he was on the pitch. Well, now, like some other star athletes, he wants ownership. I like you saying pitch better than field. I like that. It's (laughs) very colloquial. Good for you. But I like what he said, give this man a whatever. But here's a perfect indicator of professional sports right now. Doesn't matter that this is international megastar David Beckham. If you want money to build a stadium or an arena anytime, anywhere these days, it's not easy. He has been trying to do this for more than four years. As part of his deal, remember when he joined MLS, part of his deal was he had the right to get an expansion team. By the way, he price tagged that at 25 million bucks. They're going for 150 million or more these days. So great deal for David, but he still has to get this done. So the city council has approved the land deal. Finally, the last three acres where he needs to, to buy and build this stadium. 
but there's still more that needs to get done. And that was the thing. It wasn't so much as, you know, hey, you can get the team. You had to get the land, and he did that. Yeah, the team's the easy part. No, MLS has not officially granted an expansion team to Miami yet. But, hmm, let me see. How hard would it be to figure? David Beckham has an arena deal. He's the biggest face of the sport. Uh, Yeah, I think they want him involved. I don't think that's the problem here. The problem is show me you've got the land and the money behind the team. Then we grant you a franchise. The fact that this is happening right now, right there with all that's happening on with the taxpayer money in Miami certainly worked against him in the past couple of years. And our final story of the week involves two other soccer players and one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And that is LeBron James on Forbes magazine has now slipped into the number two slot. He has moved past Lionel Messi as the richest athletes living of all time. He is behind Cristiano Ronaldo. And LeBron James, look, (laughs) this is just loaded. Just to show you how much he's making. It's about $58 million when you throw in the sponsorship. This is just the sponsorship part alone. This is off the field, off the court, rather. So you throw all that in, and it's a lot of money. He has Coca-Cola, and he has uh, other sponsors. But my goodness, this that's just a boatload of money, about $86 million total. LeBron says he wants to be an owner one day. That requires billions, B, billions. The real <laughs> money will come from the media empire that he's setting up. He owns those things. He owns the Blaze Pizza. That's the big money. That's Sashnik money, man. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world. And let's get to Los Angeles, where we're joined by Jeannie Buss. One of the most powerful women in sports today. Certainly is. She owns the Los Angeles Lakers of the NBA. And Jeannie, thanks for joining us. What is your management philosophy? What my father taught me was hire the best people and get out of their way. That's something that I practice with the Lakers today, you know, really making sure that the people that I do have in place have everything that they need to be successful. I'm dating myself a bit because I saw the Lakers play at the Forum, mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I knew your dad. He was a poker player, too. He also talked about stamina, which is, which is not easy. Can you tell me about your dad and how he conveyed these messages to you? It was a great anecdote where you say that sort of defines how he did things? He tried to teach me to be a a good poker player, and I really, I didn't have the, uh, it just wasn't attractive to me. I I don't know why, but what he was really trying to teach me was about the stamina and that in the game of poker, you have to be patient and you have to wait for the opportunity. And that, you know, if if you rush things, and you and you try to play a hand that doesn't have the right cards, maybe you can bluff your way out of it. But it's really about over time and making the right decisions, strategic decisions, staying patient, not rushing things. However, when you do have the opportunities, when you do have the cards, you have to be able to go from zero to 100 in a heartbeat. So you always have to be prepared, and you can't be lulled into complacency. So that really was the lesson that he was trying to teach me, and it wasn't just about a card game. I love to play poker, and I remember watching a televised event of the poker tournament, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness, 
There's Mr. Bus, and he's on there. And and it did something else, too, is that because of his appearance, it made me think, hey, I want to catch the Lakers game. So something like that, at least from that aspect, and yes, you know, playing cards, you want to win, but it was also a great tool to market the Lakers. He started on the World Poker Tour and the early 90s and I think he was actually even rookie of the year one year he was he really was passionate about the game and really enjoyed the people that he met and got to play cards with but absolutely he was a very competitive person and it, it, it brought out that side in him talking with Lakers owner Ginny Buss and Ginny lots of kids looked at Magic and Michael I want to be like Mike but they were talking about basketball these guys however were leaders in another realm Everybody wants to be a brand. Everybody's in tech. Everybody's hanging out with the Mark Andreessen's of the world. This is not just athletics anymore. This is athletics leading to something else. That is absolutely the case that I I see that with the athletes that are coming into the NBA. They are prepared for a career after basketball. They want their exposure They want a platform to bring eyeballs to their Instagram page. You know, I don't blame them. I think uh, the opportunity to play in the NBA gives you a global platform to, you know, introduce yourself to the world and what you stand for and who you are. And a lot of smart players have become good businessmen using those opportunities that the NBA presents to them. Jeannie, you certainly had your share of star power. Let's see, Shaq, Magic, Kobe, keep it on and on and on. How important is it for the brand, for the Laker brand, to have star power? It's critical, you know, if it, especially if it leads to winning. I don't think any uh, owner would want to be in a position of having a megastar but never appear in the playoffs. You have to not only have that star and uh, build a team around that star or two stars or two and a half stars or three stars, whatever the formula is that people believe now leads to uh, championships. What Magic Johnson is trying to put together for the Lakers now, you know, you have to have that go-to guy. If that's the guy that is the star because of his charisma, uh, his ability to win, then all all that happens organically, um, who the fans gravitate to. I think trying to just say, let's get a well-known player, let's get an all-star, but if he doesn't fit your team's culture or doesn't fit on your team and and you don't win, then a star doesn't matter. That's like Kobe Bryant. Um, You have to miss him. I mean, he sold a lot of tickets for the Lakers. (laughs) Kobe was one of the lifetime, once-in-a-generation type players. We were lucky to have him for 20 years on uh, one team. I don't think you're going to see that often in the league any longer, you know, with the kind of rules we have with free agency and, you know, just the longevity of a career like Kobe Bryant. Can you talk more about that, about uh, what it is like uh, to have so many people like a Kobe or a Magic uh, to sit down and talk to? I'm so lucky. I pinch myself every day when I go in the office and Magic Johnson's there. And, um, you know, we can talk about things that you got to understand, like for me, having somebody of like mind and purpose is what I enjoy working with and there's nobody with more pure intentions than magic johnson of wanting the lakers 
to be on top again. We are chatting with Jeannie Buss, owner of the Lakers. And Jeannie, not long ago, you said like you're you're not a stone cold killer like like Kobe was. You're cold blooded, <laughs> but you did have to take some serious action not long ago when you fired your brother and Mitch Kupchak. That took some stone cold killer in you. Was it difficult or something you had to work up to? You know, it's not really comfortable for me to talk about. It was a difficult thing. My first public statement about it was that I I really didn't want to see that day come and perhaps I waited too long to make that decision and that for that I was sorry to our fans. Not participating in the playoffs for four years in a row was unheard of. In the 32 years that my dad ran the team, he only missed the playoffs twice. And so that kind of playoff drought for us was, uh, you know, unacceptable and, you know, had to make a a change. And uh, a lot of people questioned the timing of it because uh, it was a few days before the trade deadline in February. Once I knew the decision and the course that I wanted to take, you look at the NBA calendar and there is no off season in the NBA if once you make a decision, it's it's best to just do it and, and start to move forward so that you can lay out the plans that you want to, to take as soon as possible. Jeannie, the Lakers have the second pick in the NBA draft. Now we've heard about the father of Lonzo Ball, of our ball. We know there is controversy swirling around him. Everything from $500 sneakers and the way he talks about his son – What about drafting Lonzo Ball? Is that something that the Lakers are shying away from? I will defer that to our front office. Um, You know, I've been asked that question. Certainly, I think if our front office believes he's an asset to our basketball team, I would... I'd be thrilled. I would embrace him. I he has a very passionate father who uh, I have in my 30 plus years of experience, I have met many parents and siblings and spouses of, you know, great athletes and I think having a strong family advocate is important for the success of a player. And so, um, you know, whoever they decide to draft with that number two pick, I'm ready. I, I feel my job is to whatever they want as a basketball team, then, then I'm there to help them be the best that they could be. We're uh, getting ready to move into our new training facility, a new Lakers headquarters um, in about two months. And it's going to triple the amount of space that we currently have for training and and development and rehab. We really at the Lakers want the players to exceed their own expectations of what they're capable of by giving them the best training staff and all the state of the art facilities that will help them, you know, be the best basketball player possible. In all my years traveling to El Segundo, Gina, I have to say, yeah, you need more room because those shiny trophy balls that were overlooking the practice court. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need more room for the legs. I know you're hoping for that. But kudos to you, Jeannie Bus. I mean, passionate and a strong family advocate. That is the most diplomatic way I have heard Lonzo Ball's father referred to thus far. That yeah. was fantastic. But I want to take it to a business discussion. Forget about his talent. I mean, you're going to take the best player that helps the Lakers. I get it. What? are your thoughts of the marketing acumen of his father and that he is generating buzz for his big bowler brand. Your thoughts on 
LeVar Ball as a marketer. Most of the people that I know who aren't in this business know who he is. And I, and I think if that's the name of the game is, you know, getting your brand out there, then I think he's done a good job. You are one of the most highly powered women in sports and his recent take on women and on his Fox Sports appearance sort of stay in your lane towards the female host of the show. Your take on sports, women, what they're, what sports are missing by not having more women in decision-making places? For me, you know, I've been in this business a long time and I've seen a tremendous amount of women join the sports business from many different areas that have to do with sports. And I think that there are opportunities for women. You know, it's kind of led me to a passion project that I have called Wow Women of Wrestling. It's actually women's professional wrestling. Uh, which is more character-driven, meaning we have characters who the women wrestle as Jungle Girl. It's really fun, but it's the, the reason I got involved in that is that there's so many great female athletes that participate at a collegiate level, and there's really no place for them to turn pro unless they're in the WNBA or a professional tennis player. And I just I felt that there were there wasn't opportunities for women as performers, as athletes. And uh, Women of Wrestling gives uh, women that opportunity to to earn money, um, you know, by being athletic, by performing. And it's a lot of fun as well. It's an empowerment of women. So I've been involved in sports a long time. I think there's uh, a lot of opportunities now that didn't exist 25 years ago, but I still think that there's more, and I think that will continue to grow. Jeannie, when the Clippers were sold for $2 billion, I spoke to a number of owners who just for fun sort of called a sports banker or two and said, what's my team worth? <laughs> did, did you uh, maybe make a phone call or ask around saying, I know you're not selling, this is not where we're going, but was there a bit of curiosity saying, gee, what is that Laker brand worth? I don't think we'd ever really find out what the team would be worth until they're for sale. And they're, like you said, they are not for sale. And I can repeat that many times. We can always measure the health of a team, wins and losses. But that doesn't always tell the story of a franchise behind the scenes. Give me the health of the franchise from a business perspective. Well, I think we're at 96% renewal rate for our season tickets, which, you know, I feel our fans are the best fans in the league. They've had to to put up with a few disappointing seasons, but I believe that there's a lot of excitement, enthusiasm for what Magic Johnson is going to bring uh, in terms of players. I think uh, Coach Luke Walton uh, has completed his rookie season as a head coach, which he had some difficult season for him, but we ended on a, a high note by winning, you know, the last five of our last six games. And, um, you know, to some criticism that, you know, the concern was that if we won that many games that we would lose our draft pick because it was only top three protected. Otherwise it would have gone to Philadelphia. But as it turns out, um, we needed to be in that position to, to get the number two pick. So it all worked out. Um, but certainly what the coach needs is um, some more talent, 
so that he can play the style of basketball that he wants to play. And uh, everybody is on the same page in terms of what they want to accomplish, what they're looking for in this draft. And um, I think our fans, you know, want to be part of that building. And um, certainly there was when we had Kobe Bryant's last game, I think the capacity of, of Staples Center was twice the size of what it, it, it states on on paper because there was I've had at least 30,000 people tell me that they were there in person even though it doesn't hold that many people but it was one of those moments in time that uh, people wanted to be there to see Kobe's last game and a lot of people that were there were also there for Kobe's first game as a Laker and so to you know that that's what I think our fans want to be a part of not only the winning and the ultimate success, but also part of, you know, how did we get there? How do you build a team? How do you watch a player develop and and mature and gain that experience that makes them a smarter ball player and to go along with their athleticism? I couldn't be more excited about the health of the Lakers. You know, we're in good hands with Magic Johnson. As has been said, they enjoyed showtime. They endured slow time. Let, <laughs> let, let's see what's up next for the Lakers. Jeannie Buss, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. That's great, Scott. Thank you. I appreciate so it. Thank you, great stuff from Lakers owner Jeannie Buss, Michael. My takeaways, one, Magic Johnson is in full control of that franchise and he has supportive ownership. And two, the Lakers will not shy away from Lonzo Ball just because dad likes to run his mouth about everything from sneakers to superstardom. And something else I liked when she was talking about her dad playing poker at the highest level and the lessons that she learned about her dad playing poker. I I enjoyed that. Patience, patience, patience. patience. (laughs) That was the lesson. Well, I don't know if uh, Nike and Under Armour are patient when it comes to sales, but our numbers of the week, ready? We got three of them this week. All right. One, two, and three. Things are going well for the Golden State Warriors on the court, but Nike versus Under Armour was also a big deal going into the finals. Check out these numbers. LeBron's 14, Kyrie 3, and KD 10. The Nike shoes, numbers 1, 2, and 3 in sales. Steph Curry's shoe, coming behind at number 4. I wonder how long this is going to continue because you're talking between Under Armour and Nike. You talk about two powerhouses going at it. How long can this continue? Well, so much was made of Nike losing Steph Curry. How did they lose him? How did they not keep him? They had the right to match the deal and didn't. They let the great one get away. Like That doesn't happen to Nike, right? But how much of a loss is it? Their guys are still selling shoes. I don't know if it's the design of the shoe. I don't know if it's Steph. Not here to say what it is, but the facts are Nike's shoes are one, two, and three, and Steph is coming in at number four. I get the feeling, though, after this NBA season, Steph Curry and the sponsors will have nothing to worry about. Oh, I can tell you what's going to happen. They're all going to go to Asia on a whirlwind media tour and try and sell more shoes. Book it. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> You heard Scott Soshnick say it here, folks. I trust him, man. And you can trust us to be here each and every week right here on Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world. 